There you are. Yellow. Let's see if there's a lag now. Marco. Hello. That was pretty instant. Good. Okay. <laughs> that's how that's our new test, Marco. Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Blair. And I'm Kirsten, and we are Mediocre, Mediocre content. content. And I'm we're basically halfway through October at this point. Yes, we are. Makes and it is Ill. terrifying. It is terrifying. The year Have you seen, you've open. seen those memes that are like, it's almost the end of 2023, and I haven't even processed 2020 <sighs> yet. Oh my God. Why do we feel this way? It's ridiculous. Look, 2020 was in an era of its own. It tw- mm. It's literally an entire vibe. An entire lifetime yeah. that we all experienced completely separate from this timeline. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Just gets worse with age. <laughs> Unfortunately. Every, I, ugh, it's awful. But I don't it's know. okay. Because now we're getting into the fall vibes at the same fall time. Fall vibes. Yes. Which is great. And I know that it's hard. And look, I'm not one that loves the holiday season. I, I'm going to be completely transparent. It's usually mm. a stressful time for me. However, mm-hmm. I do enjoy the nostalgia of the thoughts of this time. <laughs> I I would agree. Um, this year, um, and I can say this because my family is aware. This year, Chris and I are doing the holidays on our own, but we're taking like a little trip, which nice. is kind of, I mean, for some families, I feel like that would be kind of controversial. Fair. Okay. Yeah. Um, but we are very excited about it. You should be. Self-care yeah. is important. It is. Yeah. yeah. Including couple self-care. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're, yeah, we're spending the holidays away, hoping to get away from some of the stress. We'll very see. nice. I don't think that we're doing anything for the holidays either. We're like That's nice. planning a trip after the, first of all, I don't like traveling around the holidays because it's really difficult to get a pet sitter and also because they're mm. traveling. Right. Um, and also everything's super expensive um, to travel. You got a lot of traffic because everybody's doing the same time. So we've decided that we're going to kind of make a trip out of um, a, a, our own trip as well in like January, February timeframe. Yeah. So we're like going to do our own thing, but on the way, we're going to be stopping because it's just on the way. So we'll be stopping and saying hey to everybody for an oh, after, nice. Yeah. And after holiday. Yeah. Holiday. <laughs> All good. Which I think is less stressful because you don't have I to agree. fight everybody. You know, you get yeah. past the first of the year. And yeah, I think that settles things a little better. The only place you have to fight people after the first of the year is at the gym. And oh my Lord gosh. knows we don't like going there. So <laughs> I definitely don't. I've been very good at it, but I can tell you my affinity for the gym is still quite low. <laughs> yeah, I would say same here. Oh, my God. <sighs> um, but we have a little bit of extra today. So yes. would you like to disclaim so we sure. can get into it? Sure. Um, so we here like to just be entertainment. We like to have a silly, goofy time. Um, we are not experts on anything that we talk about. And if you have come to the podcast to get any kind of advice or any kind of like legit info for your book report, um, <laughs> p- 
please do not use this podcast as a source because your teacher will hate you forever. Um, so we encourage you to do your own research and listen to us for purely entertainment purposes yes. and background noise. And background noise. <laughs> We're the white noise. <laughs> Today, we're starting something a little bit new. Kirsten, yeah. take it away. I'm so excited, guys. This is great. Our our requests have been answered, and we finally have Mediocre Mail. Woo! <laughs> um, this is we so amazing. We just got a letter. Oh we just God. got a letter. We, we just, just got, got a letter. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. <laughs> Um, I can tell you who it's from. It's from a listener named Chris. But the thing is, first of all, I want all of you to know, we do want your mail. <laughs> we do. So if you want to send something, uh, whether it's questions, comments, concerns, jokes, smart remarks, you name it, we'll take it so long as it's appropriate and not accompanied with unsequestered photos of weird shit. So keep that under wraps. I just want to be very clear. <laughs> God. Look, you have to put a lot of disclaimers You're, in there. I know, I know, I know. So, the internet is a weird place. Um, it is. And if it sounds desperate, <laughs> it's because it is. It's no. because <laughs> it is. We would love, but we want to know. We don't get a lot of feedback outside of our live streams. And so to get listener mail in some kind of format is really fantastic. So agreed. We want it. The point is, this listener mail is based on episode 45, which was called At Your Convenience, where Blair gave us a rundown of all of the convenience stores, the history of convenience stores, and we talked about some of our favorites and some that aren't really our favorites. Bottom line is, we asked you guys to let us know what your favorite convenience store is, and our listener, Chris, who comes from the United States state, Virginia, says that his favorite store is something called April's, which is a little one down the road from him, and it's literally convenient because it's one of the only ones close to him, apparently, since he kind of lives outside of the city, so he can stop in, get his snacks, go into and from work, it's close, it's cute. And it's also not mainstream convenience. So this isn't like a Wawa or, a, you know, a Bucky's or whatever you're used Which to. Which we did talk about those. We did. As being our favorites, I think. It's, but Right. Yeah. So this is kind of like that. And it's super cool that it's off brand and probably kind of a locally owned situation. So I think that's super cool. And thank you, Chris, for yeah. sending in your, your mediocre mail. Um, if you would also like to send it, Feel free to do so at mediocrecontentpodcast at gmail.com or slide into the DMs over on Instagram or TikTok, which are both at Mediocre Content Podcast. Indeed. And that's it for Mediocre Mail. <laughs> Gotta say Very it just exciting. like that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one yeah. of these days, if we like make any money, I'll get a soundboard and we can have <laughs> Kirsten Science Corner and Mediocre Mail as like a little. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, we just need a sound effects board. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I'm also, am I also doing the good news? <laughs> you are also doing the good news. I'm sorry. And then I'll take oh. it from there. You won't have to do anything else after that. Okay. And this is no longer the science corner, which is fun. Since we're in October, um, I kind of figured it'd be cool to have a little bit of pumpkin theme good news. Obviously. Uh, obviously. So at the Malvern Autumn Festival in the United Kingdom, growers from across the aisle showed off their truly frightening proportions that vegetables can grow to, headlined by massive pumpkins brought in on a freaking forklift. And if you're not forklift certified, you don't count. Those are the rules. Wow. 
Hey, mm-hmm. I don't make the rules. I just follow them. Fourth place winner, fourth, number four, fourth place winner, Tim Saint transported his whopping 667 pound pumpkin in a trailer to display at England's Worcestershire event. Even though he <laughs> Worcestershire, like the sister sauce. sauce. <laughs> <laughs> um, even though he needed a pallet, trailer, and industrial strapping to move the thing, he was a small fry compared to Curtis Leach's first prize-winning pumpkin that arrived at weights usually reserved for cars. Um, at 638 kilograms, which equals 1,373 pounds, the gargantuan gourd was 40 kilom- uh, kilometers. Oh my god. 40 kilograms more than the second place entry, but half as heavy as the current Guinness World Record for heaviest pumpkin, which is 2,700 pounds. That's a big pumpkin. That's a big pumpkin. I know. Um, Mr. Saint said, and I quote, I grew a 667 pound pumpkin this year, which I'm delighted at. I've been growing pumpkins for 20 years and that's the biggest I've ever done. It's got to be over three feet tall at least and I'm six feet tall myself and it's big. The secret is just plenty of water and manure, plenty of cow manure especially, and it takes a lot of water and I normally give it five watering cans of water a day, end quote. That's a lot of care. Wouldn't you drown it though? Uh, you know, maybe it's a size, like after it gets to a certain size, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I was thinking root rot, you know? I know. Yeah. yeah. I, it, you must, I don't know. Maybe I'm not better soil though. I'm not a gardener person, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm not either. I would not trust me with your plants. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> um, One of the largest harvest festivals in the United Kingdom uh, there are 35 categories for giant or long vegetables, and this year, eight new world records were set, including largest runner bean leaf, which I don't know what that is, heaviest runner bean, don't know what that is either, tallest tomatillo plant, which I didn't know they had in the United Kingdom, unless I'm thinking of something else, longest loofah, heaviest bell pepper, heaviest cucumber, heaviest broad bean, and then longest broad bean. So that's a lot of world records set at this little this little event. Yeah. Nice. And uh there's a person named Ian Stott brought who brought along a 49-pound cabbage, which secured him second spot on the winner's podium this year. Nice. It was apparently 22 kilograms and about four and a half feet wide. And um, he quoted that it's, he's been quoted saying it's not been a good year for cabbages. It was so hot at the beginning of the season, but he still managed to pull out freaking second place. That's pretty good. Very good. Uh, You got to have the right seed and mother nature needs to be on your side. They weren't that big this year. I've had them six feet across and it's a bit hard to not break leaves off of them. Uh, And this was Mr. Ian Stott. Um, They apparently also lost out first prize to Annette Stone and they managed to break 54 pounds with her cabbage. So Wow. Yeah. That's pretty good. That is a pretty big cabbage. So anyway, that's the uh, the harvest news. <laughs> Thank you for the harvest news, Kirsten. You're so welcome. <laughs> Let's talk about clocks. <laughs> okay. So I the inspiration behind this topic mm. came from uh, a TikTok that I randomly came across, which is like, honestly this point like 75 percent of the topics that i think of are because of something random that i found on tiktok fair so shout out to tiktok and the people on tiktok because they really 
be out here doing the most and teaching me some stuff. Honestly. So I was scrolling through TikTok and somebody was brought up the fact that Jeff Bezos is funding a giant clock that's in a mountain in West Texas. And so I'm like, well, I must know more about this. (laughs) And because honestly, Jeff Bezos has more money than God. And Mm -hmm. the fact that he's wasting it on a clock in the middle of Texas is kind of infuriating to me a little. I like the way you said that. (laughs) Yeah. The fact that he's wasting it. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, you guys can make up your mind after I give you the deets. But uh, so back in 2018, the news broke that Amazon's Jeff Bezos was building a giant 10,000 year clock inside a mountain in West Texas. Once completed, the clock will stand 500 feet, 152 meters tall and will be powered by the Earth's thermal cycles. Now, you may be asking yourself, Blair, why is it a 10,000 year clock? And to which I will say, we'll get to it. (laughs) Obviously. I didn't even get to ask. (laughs) Obviously, the clock has been under construction for a while now, and it should be noted that the clock called the clock of the long. (laughs) (laughs) What the heck, Bezos? (laughs) Is actually the idea of computer scientist and entrepreneur Danny Hillis, who first conceived of the idea back in 1986. So what will this clock do? Not much. It's just going to tick once a year and chime once per millennium. And that's it. That's the function of the clock. I didn't expect to laugh. It do be. I'd be ticking and talking, but not very much. Right. All around the clock. Ooh, rough. All right. So the clock is engineered to require minimal maintenance and powered by mechanical energy harvested from sunlight as well as when people visit it. So when the clock is finished. Excuse me? Is it right. siphoning so, the human soul? <laughs> no, no. So when you when it's done, people okay. will come to see the clock, which I'll tell you how and why and all that. Okay. And then you can wind it like when you wind a regular clock. Okay. Um, and that <laughs> generates power, but it doesn't need that. It just sure. needs the sunlight. But this is just right added bonus for the clock. I don't know. I anyway. This thing was like eating humans. No, <laughs> it is not good. eating humans, contrary to popular belief. <laughs> now, <laughs> side note to give you an indication of this of like so i'm on the website there's an official mm-hmm. website for the clock right oh, i gotta see because that because it's run by an entire organization of course it's uh, and we'll talk about it i promise you but the website all the dates on the website are written like zero two zero two two for 2022 because it's all written uh... to last for ten thousand years right Right. So like the dates reflect the belief that there's going to be a human existence in 10,000 10, years. years. Yeah. Right. Okay. All okay. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So the clock will mark time with an astronomic and calendric displays and the chime generator designed with the help of Brian Eno that can produce over 3.5 million unique bell chime sequences, one for every day the clock is visited in the next 10,000 years. Why? So 
Yeah. 10,000 years is about the age of modern civilization. So the clock will measure out a future of civilization equal to its past. It assumes our civilization is in the middle of whatever journey we're on an implicit statement of optimism. So there's a lot of like philosophy going into this as well. When did we say the sun was going to (laughs) explode? I, you know what? We're not talking about science right now, Kirsten. We're talking about the hope for humanity. <laughs> Go back to your corner. <laughs> oh my goodness. It is still being assembled deep inside a mountain in West Texas. So why? Why would anyone build a clock inside a mountain? The hope yeah. that it will ring for 10,000 years. Yeah. And this is where it gets a little fruity. You think this is where it gets fruity? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Part of the answer, this is from Kevin Kelly, one of the creators of the clock and supporters Mm. of the clock. Okay. Just is just so people will ask the question and having asked it, prompt themselves to conjure with notions of generations and millennia. If you have a clock ticking for 10,000 years, what kinds of generational scale questions and projects will it suggest? If a clock can keep going for 10 millennia, shouldn't we make it sure our civilization does as well? If the clock keeps going after we're personally long dead, why not attempt other projects that will require future generations to finish? The larger question is, as virologist Jonas Stock once said, are are we being good ancestors? So that's part of the reason we want. But like, again, me reading this is like we have so many more problems now but we're building why are we deal why are we like dealing with or trying to put forward goodwill for the 10,000 years in the future with a clock Uh, that's right correct yeah with it because the fact that he even stated why shouldn't we then make our civilization like why should our civilization I don't know because maybe we so, should be solving. All I the think other no. So I think the clock is going to be the symbol of that idea. I don't right? want a so symbol. Like, I want a solution, Kelly. Right? No, no. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I agree. So yeah. So this is why. Oh this God. is why. So then, the okay. next quote from Danny Hillis, who again is the original like thought idea person behind the clock. It was not Jeff Bezos. It was this guy. 10,000 years. The lifespan I hope for the clock is about as long as the history of human technology. We have fragments of pots that old. Geologically, it's a blink of an eye. When you start thinking about building something that lasts long, the real problem is not decay and corrosion It's or even the power source. The real problem is people. If something becomes unimportant to people, they get it gets scrapped for parts. Or if it becomes important, it turns into a symbol and must be eventually destroyed. The only way to survive over a long run is to be made of materials large and worthless, like Stonehenge <gasps> and the pyramids, Wait or, a minute. Be- or to become lost. Just as Stonehenge and the pyramids help us imagine our long past, the clock invites us to imagine our long future. That quote so made he- me mad. So he wants to build this clock because they're trying to recreate something like Stonehenge or the pyramids for future generations. The fact that, again, these quotes are getting me riled up because the fact that he says the only way to survive over the long run is to be made of materials large and worthless like Stonehenge and the well, pyramids. So the thing is, is like what happened when the pyramids 
the pyramids had a bunch of really good stuff in it, right? It all got stolen. So what he's saying is, is he like, we want to make the clock not out of diamonds or like, you know, beautiful things. We want to make them out of like average things so that people won't like try and destroy it. I don't know, man. I feel That's like what he meant, but I, uh, the way that he worded that made it seem like he thought Stonehenge and the pyramids were made out of worthless material. <laughs> and I was like, um, the well, fact that, just, that stone took so long to even get right, there, like, right. you got to be kidding me right now. So, Oof. I mean, yeah, I mean, he means like non-valuable, yeah. like metals and gems and stuff, I guess. Or just solve the energy crisis, basically. You know, I. <laughs> this is what I'm saying, though. <laughs> This is what I'm saying. And maybe so, so far, and like, based on what I've done Mm -hmm. research wise, it gives like billionaire cult energy. It does. It does. And it really is not relatable, but it's interesting to me to bring to light because Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is what they're just, this is what they're thinking about. They're not thinking about like the everyday man. They're thinking about how they can ingrain their legacy for the next 10,000 years. Right. And that to me is garbage. It's hard to have a legacy when the world has gone to ruin. Well, the thing is, is they'll keep it alive or they don't really care, honestly, because they know that right. their clock will be there. So it's fine. <laughs> like, well, thank God for that. <laughs> okay. Ugh. So how are we building the clock? There. Over 10,000 years performing even the most basic functions of a clock, gathering energy, keeping time and converting it into meaning a meaningful display becomes interestingly complex. As the clock's inventor, Danny Hillis, considered each of these functions, a set of design principles emerged, which are generally useful to consider when designing anything to last that long. So question real quick. Yes. So sorry. So you know how like over time, our calendars and like way of telling time has kind of evolved Mm -hmm. how are we so sure that they're going to maintain the same time calendar and day keeping that we do now that far in the future we're not we're not it's it's similar to like when the mayans created their calendar so we have it we know what it is we like we see it and we appreciate it for what it is and that's it so i think that's what they're hoping for they're hoping either the time will be the same or they'll be they'll be able to at least express like how we mm-hmm. t- like mm-hmm. we take time okay so we c- it tells the future generations about us as a human race they're like oh this is what time it would have been on california's coast <laughs> right exactly <sighs> so <clears throat> so the four or there's so the principles of the clock mm-hmm. longevity the clock should display the correct time for the next 10,000 years. Um, so the things that they would do in designing the clock to make sure of that is um, go slow, minimize sliding friction. Stay, It has to stay clean and dry. Mm-hmm. It has to be able to counteract any bad weather or earthquakes mm-hmm. and expect non-malicious human interaction and don't tempt any thieves. So we don't want people in there like mm-hmm. trying to steal parts, right? Sure. Okay. The second one is maintainability. So um, use familiar materials, make it easy to build parts, include the manual. 
That's important. <laughs> that is that's very important. When building anything, that's important. <laughs> you got the directions to this thing? <laughs> Lord knows the men won't read them. Anyway. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, transparency. So allow inspection, allow rehearsed motions, expect restarts, all of these things. Evolvability, um, separate, separate functions, um, provide simple interfaces, nothing too complicated. And then scalability make all the parts a similar size you know what are they i don't i don't know if it tells you hopefully they make that manual in as many languages as possible oh we'll get there um (laughs) so the mechanism the clock Mm -hmm. is entirely mechanical made of long-lasting materials including titanium ceramics quartz sapphire and uh 316 stainless steel i don't know Uh yeah, how that's different from regular i don't know anyway no either um even the most accurate mechanical clocks eventually drift off the correct time so the right. clock synchronizes with the noontime sun mm. every day mm. and the clock counts oscillations of the pendulum for day-to-day time sunlight mm-hmm. falling on the solar synchronizer to account for long-term drift and a pre-computed correlation correction to the solar time to accommodate for the orbital and rotational changes of earth. How can they predict that so far in the future? It's so interesting. What do you mean? I, hopefully they've accounted for the pole shift. So they, they, so based on, So they might not, and it might be off depending on like, yeah, I don't know how many scientists are involved in this situation. So clearly they're not many. (laughs) (laughs) Kirsten being the chief scientist. (laughs) Scientists around just sitting here like, because we talked about like, there's that's going to be that lull between when it switches the poles and like that in between stage. So number one, that's going to mess up a lot of things anyway. But number two, once the poles officially switch, does the clock know that, you know? Right. So I don't know. Yeah. And it's one of those things where that's like 5,000 years from now's problem. Like, hey, it's not, but if I don't you're know. Dealing maybe, with they'll, maybe they'll account clock. for it based on like how the sun is moving. Mm, I don't that's know. That's true. That's true. If it's got the sun as another marker. Yeah, because it does synchronize with the sun every day. So there's that. Okay. Um, I know you already hate them, but you don't have to be so judgy. Okay. (laughs) I don't hate them. I am just miffed that this is the focus. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Um, so basically this is, this clock is going to be a display of the Gregorian calendar, which we already Mm -hmm. kind of talked about. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so there's different components of the clock, which we'll talk about. Okay. I, I'm on my husband just uh passed me a note Hold on. One <laughs> no passing notes in class <laughs> we're trying to learn oh okay so he knows the answer to the 316 stainless steel situation <laughs> Listener <It> is... <laughs> <laughs> mediocre mail <laughs> instant <laughs> from across the office all right here we go the number for stainless steel is because it can have different Oh, different alloy compositions. Oh, That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Because I've All heard right. 316, but I've never had any moniker for it. Like what? You know? yeah. 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 Okay. Thanks so... for the mediocre mail. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So, um, okay. Components of the clock. The solar synchronizer. 
The sunlight enters the mountain through a south-facing synthetic sapphire window, heating up a chamber of air, which moves a graphite cylinder. The movement synchronized timing. (laughs) Sorry, I'll cut that out. Synchronizes the timing. (laughs) My co-host and my husband are... (laughs) Very distracted. I'm so sorry. We're showing right each other our plushies in the background. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's fine. I look over and nobody cares about what I'm saying, but it's fine. <laughs> I care. He distracted me. It's his fault. <sighs> Listener, can't plushie. take him anywhere. I know. Not Tyler's vacuuming. Out. Chris is like showing off our stuffed animal collection. Actually, I think. Um, Oh, I don't know if it's this episode or it'll be the next one that has that. No, it's yeah. out. It's oh, out. It's out. Okay, good, mm-hmm. good, good. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy it. I hope everybody enjoyed that. <laughs> Tyler vacuuming, yes. Good Lord. It's not like we're trying to be broke here. <laughs> we have a job to do. <laughs> we have a job to do. <laughs> yeah, okay. solar synchronizer. Yes. So the movement sol- synchronizes the timing system with the solar noon critical for maintaining long-term timekeeping accuracy and also provides enough winding force to keep the pendulum ticking without human intervention. Smart. So the timing and timing system and displays energy from the solar synchronizer above or the power system below is fed to an escapement that powers a, a slow moving titanium pendulum. This timing system is kept from drifting by corrections from the solar synchronizer and the the equation of time cam. Okay. The timing system is connected to a series of displays made up of dials and mechanical calendars. Visitors wind a wheel to at, advance the dials, which stops when it reaches the present movement. The clock always knows what time it is, but only shows you when you wind it. So that kind of helps save energy. So if you yeah. wind it, if, like, so let's say somebody doesn't come and visit the clock for like a year. So then you wind it and, and it'll stop at the present time. But they are mechanical, not digital. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because if it was digital, it would break. Right. It would break for sure. It yeah. would break. Okay. Yep. I'm imagining like, you know, um, the Indiana Jones movies yeah. and there's like, you have to put yeah. in the right, you, you know what I mean? It's like, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. okay. Easy enough. Chime and generator, chime generator and the chimes. The chime generator is a mechanical computer that rings 10 bells in different order each day. Someone winds the clock for 10,000 years. So there is an individual chime. Why? For each day for 10,000 years, if you so choose to hear it. If the you generator, so choose to hear <laughs> The generator is made up of cascading series of Geneva wheels, which create intermittent motion um, or a, a bell ring mm-hmm. out of continuous rotation from the power system. When the chimes are ringing, a, gear, a geared speed governor spins up and mod- moderates energy coming out of the power system. Nice. Yes. And then the last section of the clock is the power system and the clock winder. The main winder is made up of an enormous capstan that visitors can spin to wind the clock. Both the main winder and the solar winder store power with a large weight hanging from a rack gear. The, the power from 
this system is used to power the clock and bring the chimes on any day that the clock is fully wound. The rest of the time, any energy remaining after powering the time, after powering the timekeeping mechanism is stored, ensuring the clock can run for many years without sunlight or human winding. I mean, it sounds like they've got most things thought about. Yeah. You know, I just, well, you know. Yeah, I know. In theory, it's, it's cool, right? Like It is general, cool. It's very right. cool to think about. And I think like to have to think of how to make things last long, longly, I understand that. Like that makes sense. Yeah. I just wish they were applying it in something useful. I agree. You know, I agree. Like, this is cool, but not necessary. Right. (laughs) So in the next section, we're going to talk about like how to get to the clock Mm -hmm. and um, the long now foundation. Also, I hate the fact that it's called, what did they call this silly thing? It was the the clock of the clock of the long. long. Yes. It's so stupid. Anyway. All right, so uh, enjoy the ad, and we'll see you guys on the other side. We spend a lot of time joking about our mediocrity and how we can't believe people actually listen to our pods and join our lives. Despite that, the truth is we are so thankful to have our little community, and we want to send our special thanks to all you MCP fam members for continuing to stick with us every episode. It does not go unnoticed. It might be cheesy and a little cliche, but we truly want to thank you for listening to our pods and engaging with our content as we slowly grow our platforms. So from us over here at Mediocre Content Podcast, thank thank you. you. Now enough of this mushy stuff. Let's get back to the pod. Welcome back to the clock of the now podcast the clock of the long (laughs) this is the longest podcast and it probably won't even be the longest podcast no just mentally it's exhausting it's so stupid okay anyway so we're gonna talk about how you can go and see the clock okay now it is currently not done and they have no end date set because that seems reasonable um so to see the clock when it is finished you have to start at dawn (laughs) okay (laughs) and like any pilgrimage Mm -hmm. it will require a day's hike to reach its interior gears i hate hiking a visit to the clock (laughs) begins several hours before you reach the main winder just reaching to the entrance, just reaching the entrance tunnel situated 1,500 feet above the high scrub desert. Excuse me? Will leave some visitors out of breath, nicked by thorns, and wondering what they got themselves into. A mess. Once you enter the underground space. You're madurdered. No, just kidding. You will. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> the end. You will eventually encounter a set of metal doors. These act as kind of a crude airlock, keeping out dust and wild animals. Once through the doors, you head into the darkness of a long tunnel. At the end, there's the mildest hint of light ahead of you that you slowly find your way to. You look up 
and there's a faint light filtering down to you through the giant gears, illuminating the beginning of a spiral staircase. You know what else I hate more than hiking? Stairs. (laughs) (laughs) Activity. (laughs) You start climbing the staircase, unless you're Kirsten, in which case you just stay stay at the bottom. (laughs) I didn't even go on the hike. I was just waved as she went. You start climbing the staircase, winding up the outer rim of the tunnel, rising toward the gears and faint light overhead. The stairs are carved out of the rock. To start the spiral stair, to cut the spiral staircase, a special stone cutting robot was invented, which crept downward from the top of the shaft, grinding out a few stairs. Day. Is this current time? Is this what they're envisioning <laughs> to make prior to this journey? They're like, this will have been invented by the time this journey started, but not right now. <laughs> I think this has happened already. Okay. I'm not sure. This good. This website is amazing. I love you so much. <laughs> we need to meet. You could be an author. Ooh. anyway (laughs) after climbing about a hundred feet the first clock part you encounter is the drive weight of the clock's power system this is a large bronze egg filled with concrete about the size of a small car and weighing 10,000 pounds that's pretty heavy after you pass the weights you arrive at the winding station it is a horizontal wind last or capstan like the one that might raise the anchor of an old sailing ship Mm-hmm. It takes two or three visitors to turn the capstan easily and slow, slowly lift its 10,000 pound weight. Together, you spin the winder until the weight reaches the top of its travel beneath your feet. Wait, so you have to have friends for this? Apparently. You need at minimum. Well, it said it, it said it, it says turn it easily. So if you want to like really use your whole entire body weight, then you could probably do it by yourself. Good grief. You keep climbing past. This is not for us. You realize that, that this right? Is this, not is for, for us. this is not for us. <laughs> this this is, like is for, for the those... people of the future to oh. wonder about our civilization. I was going to say this is like the strongest man competition situation. <laughs> Iron Man? No. Yeah. This is this is their job. You need to go wind the clock. I mean, I feel like Jeff Bezos could do this. What? Yeah. Or maybe, I. you know how... Um. What's his face? The Facebook guy, Mark Zuckerberg. He <laughs> Facebook he guy. does um, Krav Maga in his free time or something like that. I he bet he could do this. No, you wouldn't. But that's fine. Um, <clears throat> anyway, this is for billionaires to be able to do. Um, let's see. Where was I? Friendship. <laughs> <laughs> You keep climbing past a multitude of giant gears, some over eight feet in diameter and weighing a thousand pounds. As you pass those, you start to see the large Geneva wheels that form the chime generator. As the mechanical computer uses a progressive algorithm to determine which of the millions of possible sequences the chimes will play on a given day, the chimes will not repeat for over 10,000 years. This is the world's slowest computer. Okay. 
Uh, on the days when visitors are here to wind it, the calculated sequence rings each of the of the 10 bells. The timing system sits at the center of the chamber. The pendulum and escapement are encased in sh a shield of brass and quartz um, to keep out dust, air, air movements and critters. The pendulum, which governs the timing of the clock, is about six foot long, is a, is a six foot long titanium assembly terminating with a football sized titanium weight. Mm. It swings at a satisfyingly slow seven second period. The slight clicks of his escapement can be heard in the silence of the mountain. That's not haunting at all. No. So how does, so anyway, we already kind of talked about how the, how the clock keeps going mm -hmm. if no one visits it. Mm -hmm. And that's due to like solar and thermal power. Right. Um, the thermal power has been used for small mantle clocks before but it's not been done before at this scale and as as long as the sun shines and night comes the clock can keep time by itself but it can't ring its chimes for long or 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 show the time it knows without visitors really banking on that sun that's all i'm saying <laughs> right or mm. visitors either or one vi yeah, both are valid concerns <laughs> so yeah i'm gonna skip past this <clears throat> the challenge oh there's only one <laughs> <laughs> there are many but the challenge for this particular clock of the long <laughs> almost so any kind of artifact can last about 10 millennia if stored and cared for properly Mm -hmm. We have examples of 5,000-year-old wood staves, papyrus, and leather sandals. On the other hand, modern metal can corrode in a few years of salt and rain. For longevity, the environment is often more important than the material. The mountaintop in Texas is a high, dry desert, and in the clock shaft below, the temperature is a stable 55 degrees. Right now. <clears throat> right now. Regardless of time or season right now right now this <laughs> avoids freeze and thaw cycles which can be corrosive um it's ideal for a ceaseless clock right now correct still <laughs> the clock is a machine with moving parts and the parts wear down and lubricants evaporate or corrode and most of the clock will be made in a marine grade 13, 316 stainless steel that Chris so lovingly passed me a note to tell me <laughs> Mediocre that, that is the alloy in which the stainless steel is made out of. One of the main worries of the clockmakers is what? that elements of a 10,000 year clock by definition will move slowly. Mm -hmm. The millennial dial creeps so slowly it can be said not to move at all during your lifetime. Metals in contact with each other or those time scales confuse, defeating the whole purpose of an ongoing timepiece. Dissimilar metals in contact can eat each other in a galvanic corrosion. Mm -hmm. To counteract these tendencies, all of the clock's bearings are ceramic. I don't know that that's better. Ceramics will outlast most metals as they can be diamond hard and do not corrode or rust. We have found shards of clay pots over 17,000 years old. Because these engineered ceramic bearings are so hard they ro and rotate at a very slow speed, they require no grit-attracting lubrication. Hmm. The biggest problem 
for the beating clock will be the effects of its human visitors over the span of centuries. A valuable stuff of any type tends to be stolen. Kids climb everywhere. The hackers naturally try to see how things work or break. But it's humans that will keep the clock's bells wound up and humans who will ask it the time. The clock needs us. It will be a long, out-of-the-way journey to get inside the clock, ringing inside inside the clock ringing inside a mountain but as long as the clock ticks it keeps asking us in whispers of buried bells are we being good ancestors can i just say that (laughs) this is the kind of stuff that makes me think that stonehenge was also built for this exact purpose stonehenge probably wasn't built as a mystery as a as a ritualistic place no it was some billionaire thousands of millions of bajillions years ago who are like people gonna talk about this that's exactly (laughs) what he said (laughs) did it it solve any problems no no (laughs) is it worth anything no is it a historical landmark technically yes but are we here to build landmarks or are we here to make sure that our mark does not negatively impact the future? Like using more resources and materials to build a useless clock. Ah! <laughs> are you ready to get even more pissed off? Oh, I'm ready. Bring on more of the long. <laughs> All right. So no completion date for the clock is set. But members of the Long Now Foundation (laughs) will be among the first invited to this monumental experience of deep time. And then they have the nerve to be like, you can donate to this project. You're billionaires. Figure it out. And you can become a member of the Long Now Foundation. That's just for money. But you're billionaires. So seems like a you problem. Also, I'm more concerned that there isn't a completion date. Because what if it takes 10,000 years just to make this thing? I mean, I Given don't know. the pace, I mean... The pyramids took forever. They took 30 years. Yeah. This is... I mean, it's not a pyramid. It's only been two. Yeah. That we know of. Two, we, no, yeah. four. Four? Because yeah. well, the news yeah. broke in 2018, so it had oh. started at least in 2018. Okay. Okay. So it's been four and some change. Yeah. We got a long way to go. You, you, yeah. Anyway. I don't know. I don't know. There's pictures and video on the website if anybody's interested. There's also like a YouTube video sure. of like, you know, whatever. Um, <clears throat> So the Long Now Foundation's mission statement is our work encourages imagination at the time scale of civilization, the next and last 10,000 years, a time span we ca- we call the Long Now. We hope to help each other be good ancestors, and we hope to preserve possibilities for the future. With a clock. And they have several projects, okay? Naturally. One of them is the clock. Right. Another one, which I find kind of fascinating, is the Rosetta Project. It is mm-hmm. a compiled archive of thousands mm-hmm. of human languages and fabricated um, an artifact, the Rosetta disc, which can preserve that information accessibly for thousands of years. In the year 2016, we helped land they they helped land one of the one one onto a comet for safekeeping. Again, what? useless. Useless. <laughs> onto a comet for safekeeping in 2018. They put another one on the moon, and a few hundred copies have been distributed around the globe. 
I could see this being helpful in general to have a codex of all potential possible human languages up to the point of creation and then added onto as they evolve. Yeah. Um, however, that one on the comet is gone. Whatever atmosphere <laughs> it entered, it is dead. Like, they tracking it, apparently. I don't know. That comet or is Or maybe they go... sent it out for the aliens. We're not I mean, sure. I'm positive that's what their intentions were. But if they already hear, why you gotta put it on a random comet? There's one on the moon, too. Just, you know. We're the only ones going. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so confused by that. <sighs> okay. So that's kind of, it's interesting sure. and possible. I think that one makes sense. I don't think the distribution yeah. of that one makes as much <laughs> sense, but okay. Okay. So then their other little branch mm-hmm. of this foundation is called long bets. Okay. And basically, the purpose of long bets is to improve long-term thinking. So it's to get people excited about thinking long-term. So it's a public arena for enjoyably competitive predictions of interest to society with philanthropic money at stake. So the Long Now Foundation furnishes the the continuity to see even the longest bets through to the public resolution. Um, so basically people, for example, mm-hmm. someone can say, I bet $200 that um, the ice caps will melt by 2050 and that money will go to the St. Jude's hospital or like whatever. You know what? This bothers me because- Mentally. It's stupid. Um, Just that. Like, this proves how much in the now they are not living. Right. People don't give a crap about the future because they don't even know what future they're going to have because day-to-day expenses and needs are so in your face all the time. Right. For the average person. Right. This is insane. Nobody cares about the ice. Like, we care about the ice caps, but we also care about putting food on the table tomorrow. Like, (laughs) right. No, exactly. And the Long Now Foundation has a bar. Like, it's a lot. They call it the library, but it's like legit a bar with some books in it in San Francisco. And you can have access to it if you're a member of the Long Now Foundation. But like, it's so that you can go and talk about your like long bets and your. You're, it's a rich person's game. That uh, it's so <sighs> stupid, and like it's the a bit like you talk about the the life of a better or the possibility of a better future, and like all these other things, and it's supposed to be like super optimistic. But I'm like, bro, you guys have enough money in fix it now to fix the now, like right. fix the now instead of like fixing the later. The biggest problem is words with zero action. You cannot right. sit here and say how much you care about the future, the civilization, our longevity, our um, overall wellness as a society and civilization, and then do this kind of stuff. You can't sit there and debate for so long that zero action occurs when you have the talent, time, and resources to put to make those things happen. 
Right. It's almost like they're trying to cosplay as like yeah. Greek philosophers or something. That's but like exactly the it. difference between the difference between the Greek philosophers and the billionaires and millionaires mm-hmm. of today is that the Greek philosophers legit had no money. Yeah. Zero money, but tons of the mental capacity it took to try and foster enlightenment, change, and civilization growth. Right. This is not that. It's stupid. This is parading around with a self-label of enlightenment. And it's just absolute entitlement. Entitlement is a good word too. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not, I care very deeply for the environment and I'm very concerned about where we are and where we're going and what solutions we have. But at the same time, I'm like, am I going to be able to pay my bills next month? Well, and it's almost like, so like they're sending the road, like they're sending the Rosetta project to the moon. They're sending it on a comet. There's a bunch of stuff like all around the world. Like, so basically you can, and then this next one, we'll get into it, but like, Uh so basically you can rebuild society when it completely collapses. So basically you're just trying to fund an emergency plan for yourself. And for a future of people that are not currently living, experiencing all the BS. Like, I'm sorry. I care about future generations when I can afford to care about the one that I'm currently in. I can't do that right now. Right. I don't have the luxury. No. So this other project, there's a couple, like, so on the website, there's a few more projects that they do, but these were the ones that I found the most interesting. And this is the one that I think is the most, is also interesting. Um, So this is not an all-inclusive list. I just want to say, but the manual for civilization is a project the physical collection in the interval which is the bar mm-hmm. in the headquarters of the long now foundation in san francisco um grounds the catalog and also provided the size constraint of the number of books um but the long now community is global and the reality is that a few long now members have the opportunity to peruse our bay area bound library um so they they're basically it's a bunch of, it's a collection of books mm-hmm. that they are digi- trying to digital digitize so that the library can be shared with the world. Um, and I guess the, no, they don't ever say like what the content of the books are. Of course not. But I'm assuming that it's like, Things that are important mm-hmm. to civilization. You know, <sighs> look, this sounds like the beginning of movies like that have a a group that's on the outside and a group that's on the inside. And all the haves mm. live in the city and rule and create all these random rules with all these random well, civilizations it's giving, it's giving dystopian and it's yeah. also giving very much like um what is that divergent with games divergent games. like that yeah. kind of stuff exactly gross so not a fan not a vibe no and it, <laughs> it gives like the all of their literature and stuff like i looked yeah. through their website and all of it is very much come join us. Like we know what we're doing. We're thinking about the future, but then I'm like, none of these projects no. are worth anything. They're trying like, to, to anyone living now. They're trying to do 
they're trying to act like we're an ancient civilization that has right. long passed its due right that is yes. long gone and must be rediscovered with nobody else except the last surviving few Right. And look back and be able to interpret our long lost ancient cities. That is not what, like you're living in the current now, not the long now, but the current. Right. Now. And the current now has tons, literally billions of people in it right now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right this moment. Right. And it's, it's, it's almost like they're condemning the yeah. people now and just yeah. like trying yeah. to set up for next they're like there's no chance for you so we're gonna save ourselves and that's gross it is gross like i'm sorry not sorry that's gross behavior people that are in those positions should be working with the time money and resources they have Mm -hmm. to help us implement better civilizations not try to concrete it right as if we're already done so (laughs) right and it's interesting to me that the marketing for the clock has been very jeff bezos centered Mm -hmm. and not like the long now foundation like that's Mm -hmm. been kept very much like you don't see that in the headline you see which arguably jeff bezos Mm -hmm. building a random ass clock is a better headline (laughs) it is but like I don't know what role he has in this foundation. I don't know like what, you know, is it just a bunch of billionaires like getting together and then probably making it seem like this is accessible to the layman, even though it's really not. Well, and also like realistically the, regardless of how much contribution he actually has to it the media is very particular about how much and what kind of information is value like on the market available yeah so it does not surprise me because some of these projects if people really dove into them like we are now and i'm sure there's millions Mm. more in the middle they would be furious yeah like this would not be oh my god that's so stupid silly bezos and his silly clock in tech ha, right. ha, ha. it would yeah. be like what the heck are you doing like this is right. some conspiracy series kind of deals where they're like oh they're literally planning for us to be gone and they're planning their exit strategy because they know something we don't and blah 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 and right. you just go down this rabbit hole people would be furious Right. And they should and be. We're not, and to be fair, we're not a conspiracy we're theory not. podcast, but this is giving conspiracy it's giving. theory. Yeah, it's a lot and of meat for that. It is. And like who knows how much money this foundation has yep. and like where that's going and like what also <laughs> I'm sorry to add one more thing. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me for money if you have Jeff Bezos on your on-call right. list. Right, right. No, me for exactly. Money. You can shut yeah. that request right up your bum bum. Because They're like, you is- can get a newsletter and access to these, like, seminars and da-da-da-da. I'm like, fuck no. Absolutely no, not. I'm sorry are- for my language. But we'll put explicit not. on it. It's fine. This is a difficult <laughs> one. The thing is, right, no one in their right mind would contribute to this who has, who, who lives as the modern man. Right. right? Who, like, no you're not spending your spare change on this no. garbage. No, you're spending it on making sure that, again, you have food on your table, there's clothes on your backs, your kids are taken care of, your house payments are up to the best of your ability, you've got bills right. and expenses coming out your ears. The last thing you're worried about is the fact that you put a codex on the moon. Like, come on now. Right. I, I just. Oi, 
What a what an interesting. <laughs> Isn't that wild? It's, it's wild. wild. It is wild. It's it really is wild. It's, it's truly wild. <laughs> I'm shocked nobody knows. Well, no, I'm not really that shocked that nobody knows yeah. about this. They probably don't want people to know about this. No, because again, the thing curious. is, if you if you have the power to cure world hunger three times over, and if you have the power to have a mega yacht, like you <laughs> you shouldn't be like. To balance out your mega yacht, you should be doing something good for the world now, not for 10,000 years from now. That makes me want a mega pint. And if you know, you right. know. <laughs> right. Well, that's been great, Blair. Thank you so much for the existential crisis. <laughs> You're so welcome. It's a different kind of existential crisis than we experienced with the solar series. Honestly, so... it's new and I invite it. <laughs> I invite the new. Very tingly. It tickles my brain in the right way. <laughs> I'll be worried about that for a week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So oh, if you want to yeah. worry with us, uh, you can... <laughs> You can find us or you can email us at mediocrecontentpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on TikTok at mediocrecontentpodcast or follow us on Instagram at that same uh, handle as well. Um, catch up with us every other Thursday on Twitch at Mediocre Content Podcast at 3 p.m. PST, 6 p.m. EST or 11 p.m. BST. Don't forget to rate us five stars anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you guys for rating the Thank you to the four people who rated us five stars on Spotify. We love you so much. So much. Uh, keep it up. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Cheers. Cheers.